conduct in the King James Bible. I hate snakes, Jacques! I hate them! And may the Christian Lord guide my hand against your Roman popery! And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! We're on a mission from God. Entitled you want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And here we are coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker. High atop Bethel Church. The talk show that hell hates. And the more you listen, the more you know why. Babylon. Babylon hates this church. Babylon wants to take over this church, and it's my responsibility and the people who attend this church, it's our responsibility collectively to stand against her in every way. And you say, well, what is Babylon? Uh, I heard that Babylon was the Catholic Church. I heard that Babylon was America. Yeah. Uh, any play, in fact, let's do this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to just go off the cuff anyway today. Make it up as I go. Let's, uh, flop up some, um, Bible. You know, that, that's not adjusted right. Man, oh man. I've got stuff all messed up here. Let me, let me do this. While I make some adjustments on my... See how it's all cut off and everything like that? I can adjust that. Uh, let's see. Screen capture. And I change the crop settings. Let's see. There's the left ones. There's the right ones. That kind of works, I guess. Um... And it's too big. There we go. We'll do that. That's a little bit better. Um, you can recognize Babylon in several ways. Um, let's see here. Let's go to Revelation 18. Um, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice. See, I like this, because that's preaching. Some people, I've had people get angry with me um, because they think that my preaching style should be the same as when I'm talking like in a Watchman broadcast. Um, but I believe 
like what this angel is doing, I am declaring with a strong voice. I'm not trying to scream. I'm not trying to just yell for the sake of yelling. But the things that I believe in, the things that uh, God has laid on my heart to say, um, those things I am passionate about. And I feel very strongly about them. And so in my uh, preaching delivery, I am going to use a strong voice. Um, you know what? One of our one of our watchers is calling me, and I like this guy. And uh, hang on a second, I'm going to put him on speaker. John Demano, is this you? John Demano, do you know what I'm doing right now? No, I am I am streaming live on Pastor Mike online, and everybody in the world is listening to you right now instead of me. Amen. Amen. Oh no. Oh man. Oh man. They are. Amen, brother. I love you. And and God's people are going to be praying for Richard. And you let him know that. When he comes out of intubation, Mike, he doesn't know what he's at. He's totally, he's being kept Right, right. Amen. I love you, Mike. Lord bless you. I love you even though you are Italian, Dago. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, Mike. You should meet my friend. He fixes things. Yeah. <laughs> Guido. Yeah, Guido. Hey, God bless you, John. God bless you, Mike. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right. Uh, God's in everything, people. I really believe that. Um Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna y'all pray for him, pray for his friend. It's in the hospital, doesn't know the Lord, and uh, let let's just turn the prayers on and and just pray. All right. Uh, but anyway, back to back to Babylon. Uh, I was I was saying that the things that I speak of, I feel strongly about, and I am going to proclaim them with a strong voice. And now that may not be. 
how you want me to say certain things, but it is who I am. It is how I have, uh, it's, it's the style of preaching that I was brought up on. And um, I, w- I wasn't brought up sitting in a, in a quiet church where some guy is reading his sermon that he typed out on paper. That's not where I came from. I came from guys uh, and a long line of men of God who stood behind the old pulpit of wood like Ezra did and loudly proclaimed the word of the Lord. So anyway, um, he's cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, number one, there's four things here. Imagine that. The opposite of the gospel. And what the gospel does. Listen, if the gospel is present, foul spirits and devils won't be. Amen? They, they will not be there. They can't stand the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. Um, I'll say this. You know, I've, I've, I've read a lot, watched a lot of documentaries, heard a lot of stories about people who have uh, claimed contact with uh, aliens, so-called. And um, one story in particular, a lady was, uh, this was in, at night, she was in her bed, and all of a sudden she senses something's there. She looks and she sees these little things uh, in her room, and the only thing she knew to do was call on the name of Jesus And she did, and boom, they're gone. That ought to tell you something. Um, But anyway, Babylon, if you find a place where there is a habitation of devils, foul spirits. So let's let's say that you... um, you go into a pool hall just to shoot a game of pool. And there are devils there. You can, you can feel them. Your spirit and, the, and they don't get along. And they don't like you there. Um, and then there's a lot of... Notice that foul spirit. There's a lot of cursing, dirty jokes, lewd, lascivious comments, just evil speaking, okay? Um, That's Babylon. Babylon is right there. And these foul spirits don't have a problem with congregating where Babylon is. A cage of every unclean. And we know, uh, according to the law, God typified what 
a clean bird was versus an unclean bird. Eagles, uh, ravens, crows, um, uh, vultures, these were all unclean because they ate flesh. And in some case, it was rotten flesh. You know, if you in in the African, um, in the in the uh, the Rift Valley going up through Kenya into Tanzania, um, whenever a lion kills a wildebeest or or a zebra, and the lion will feed on that slowly over the next four days, the lion, the 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 female lions, the cubs. They'll all get a chance to feed on that thing. But then the lions don't eat every scrap of meat. The, um, the hyenas come close. But anyway, after the lions are done and they crawl off under a tree and rest, then the vultures come in. And the vultures come in and they pick off the bones. They pick off uh, the parts of the guts and things like that that the lions won't even eat. They eat the maggots that are crawling around on there. And that's the kind of thing that God said, I don't want you eating that. And boy, you stop and think about the spiritual application of that. We feed our soul either fresh things from God, fresh bread from God, uh, fresh manna from God, or we feed our soul on maggots. Things that are corruption. We feed ourselves on those things and we wonder why. We can't have clean thoughts. We wonder why we have filthy thoughts all the time. We wonder why we say filthy things all the time. We wonder why we are drawn to certain things. It's because we feed our souls on filthy, rotten, corrupt, unclean things. And it mentions hateful birds. Hmm. There was a video game called what was it called angry birds i don't know where they got that from maybe they got it from there i don't know but anyway you're looking at evil spirits and wherever wherever evil spirits are congregated there's babylon and wherever babylon is the evil spirits will be congregated there they feel comfortable that is their home and they, they will occupy that place. Many of you who uh, you, uh, were Roman Catholic at one time, or maybe you've got family that's Roman Catholic and the family member died and you went to the funeral at the Catholic church, it's like there's nothing there for you. And you just, you just feel this empty spirit. And you can just almost feel... Um, that it's a cage of devils. And it's a, it's a place where devils are like swarming all over the place, like bees and flies and everything like that. So anyway, that's, that's Babylon. Um, now, let me, let me do... Um, let's see here. What have I got for you? I've got, a, I've got several things that I've been wanting to show um, oh, this is for our, our brethren in Kenya. I, I warned about this uh, while I was there, and apparently some of the pastors uh, had heard about it. Uh, 
Um, they arrested a man by the name of Paul McKenzie, who was a taxi driver. And he appeared in court accused of leading the Kenya starvation cult that killed 400 people. Prosecutors say McKenzie ordered, ordered his followers to starve themselves and their children to death so that they could go to heaven before the world ended. Now, let me tell you something. Not even Hagar, who was the, uh, the servant of Sarah, and if you remember, Hagar and Ishmael were mocking Sarah and Isaac. Hagar, you know, might have been saying something like, well, sister, you finally got your baby, but man, I remember the good time I had with your husband. And then, of course, Ishmael uh, mocking Isaac. Ishmael saying, I am the firstborn. I was here first. You're not anything special. I mean, the, we don't know exactly what they're saying, but they're mocking Sarah and, and Isaac. And Sarah goes to Abraham and says, Abraham, you got to do something about Hagar. I mean, I, it was my fault. I'm the one that talked you into it, but yeah, you got to get rid of her. Abraham didn't want to, didn't know what to do, but he went to the Lord and the Lord told him, yep, send her on her way. So Abraham gives her a bottle of water, gives her some bread, and sends them on their way, through the, walking through the wilderness. Where is she supposed to go? She has no idea. And all of a sudden, the bottle is spent, the bread is gone, and not even Hagar, who had uh, re literally removed herself from... Uh, the blessings that Abraham received. She could have been part of Abraham's household, but she removed herself because of her mocking and because of the things that she had done. Not even Hagar, with that evilness in her heart, could stand to hear her son, Ishmael, starving to death for a drink of water and set him down by a tree and walked away far enough to where she could no longer hear him screaming. And then the angel of the Lord appeared and she made things right with God and God blessed her and God opened up her eyes and she was sitting right in front of a well of water and God saved her that day. Now, I've mentioned this before, and let me, let me read the rest of this story. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see here. 
The cult leader Paul McKenzie and 29 associates were charged on Tuesday with the murder of 191 children whose bodies were found among more than double that number buried in a forest. The defendants all denied the charges brought before a court in this uh, coastal town of uh, Malindi. One suspect was found mentally unfit to stand trial. Prosecutors say McKenzie ordered his followers to starve themselves and their children to death so that they could go to heaven before the world ended in one of the world's worst cult-related disasters in recent history. Uh, Jim Jones killed over 800 by giving them Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. Um, let's see here. The followers of his, oh, this is funny. His Good News International Church. What, what good news? They lived in several uh, secluded settlements in an 800-acre area within the, um, uh, Shakahola, Shakahola Forest. More than 400 bodies were eventually exhumed. Uh, and this picture is of the digging that they did. Uh, McKenzie was arrested last April. He has already been charged with terrorism-related crimes, manslaughter, and torture. He was also convicted in December of producing and distributing films without a license and sentenced to 12 months in jail. Uh, a former taxi driver, McKenzie, forbade cult members from sending their children to school and from going to hospital when they were ill, branding such institutions as satanic, some of his followers said. Now, I would, I would say to all of you out there in, in a spirit of, uh, a spirit of love and in, in a kind, loving fashion, um, everybody has their opinions and everybody has their, their preferences and I understand that. If you can produce for me from the Bible where God expressly forbids any of his people from seeing a physician, a doctor, taking medicine or going to a hospital. If, if you can produce for me that evidence, online at gmail.com. I'm not saying that you have to go to a doctor, to a hospital, to an urgent care. I'm not saying you have to do anything. 
And if you find something that works for you, praise the Lord. I, I am. I'm, I just praise the Lord. But do not, do not, you're not a doctor. Don't forget that. You're not a medical doctor. You do not have a right to give out medical advice to people. Um, you, you could get in trouble for that. Um, you can't, in my humble opinion, you can't tell people God doesn't want you taking medicines. God doesn't want you seeing physicians. They're all working for Satan and they're killing us. You can't say that to people because it's not in the Bible. Now, again, if that's your preference, I, I am all for it. I am. There is liberty in Christ. Christ, when the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor and spent all of her money going to doctors. When she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and Jesus felt the virtue leave him, he turned around and looked her at the eye. He, he didn't say, what are you doing? You went to doctors. You think I'm going to heal you? Get out of here. Did he say that? No. He's healed her. How many of us in, in any other aspect of life tried everything in the world except God and then finally turned to God and said, God, I, I've run out of every other option. Lord, help me. Did God help? Of course he did. That's what God does the best is help when we've exhausted all of our other schemes and plans and ideas and philosophies. God helps. Okay. Um, this guy deserves to be in jail. He deserves not to get out of jail. He talked to these people. And I was talking about Hagar a while ago. Not not even Hagar could could handle hearing her own child scream to death while he was dying. And so for these parents, uh, I've mentioned in Isaiah 28 where uh, Isaiah said that uh, the, talking about the drunkards of Ephraim and the priests and the prophets are out of the way through wine and through strong drink. And he said, all tables are full of vomit. And I've said that the only thing worse than a preacher delivering up vomit every Sunday are the dogs who lap it up. And apparently this guy conned all of these people. And I'm going to use the word ignorant. I'm going to use it in the proper way. These people were willfully ignorant of the truth of God's way. Because if they would have listened to God's word first over a man they would have they would have never had the, they 
these parents are responsible for the murder of their own children. And why? Because God told them to do it? No. A taxi driver did. I just did what brother so-and-so told me. I mean, he's the man of God. And, and God showed him that we have, to, we have to starve to death and die before, so we can go to heaven. Listen, that same thing that, that David Koresh told those people in the Branch Davidian compound. Told them all. He said, I'm going to let you leave right now. Open the door. Walk out. I won't stop you. But then he said, but when this thing comes to pass, you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to miss the glory. And you're going to be damned for all of eternity. He told those people, basically, if they walked out that door, they was going to hell. They just read the Bible. See, this is, uh, you know, I thought about the logo that I, that I have. This one. And, and what it means. Think Bible. It's, it's so simple. But you apply the word of God. And seek God in his word. For everything. And. I think you'll find out in, in a lot of places is God's telling you just something that's just common sense. God did not design us as, as parents to go and withhold food and water from our own children and starve them to death, thus murdering them. And I'll tell you this, God didn't even tell Abraham that. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. God told Abraham. See, that's, that's what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks that God changed his mind. And God doesn't. Everybody thinks God changed his mind. Because what he said was, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him for a burnt offering. Offer. But God never told Abraham to kill him. Never did. So God didn't change his word at all. The moment that Abraham laid Isaac on that altar bound and tied up he had thus fulfilled what god said and god then said lay not thy hand and if you read other translations like the niv in the niv of that verse right there you have god saying get thee into the land of moriah and uh sacrifice your son and that's not what god said he said offer him but here, um, 
Let's see here. Former taxi driver McKenzie forbade cult members from sending their children to school and from going to hospital when they were ill. Um, McKenzie's lawyer has said he is cooperating with the investigation into the deaths. The 30 defendants are due back in court on March 7th for a bond hearing, the judge said. The cult leader was first arrested in 2017, then again in 2018, after claiming that education was not recognized in the Bible. What? What? Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and these words that I speak unto thee to this day shall be in thine house, uh, or shall be in thy mouth, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. It sounds like education to me. That's what it does. My son, hear my words. That's education. I'm, I'm saying to my, to my brothers and sisters in Kenya, do not follow men. And I don't know what this guy's... You know, everybody's got... Uh, it's a gimmick for something. You know, what is this guy really after? Is he just killing people off just for the sake of killing people off because that's what he really believes? Or did he come up with this for some other reason other than just killing off some church people? I mean, was he... Um, was he getting to inherit their land, maybe? Uh, or their flocks, or whatever whatever small amount of wealth they may have built up? Was he going after their money? Was he going after their women, their children? I mean, who knows? I don't know what, I don't know what motivated this guy. But I'm telling you, people, you, and this works for not just those in Kenya, but around the world, quit listening to men and men who tell you to do things that are in contradiction to the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. If that man were my pastor and he started telling me that I had to start starving myself, my wife and my grandchildren and my children uh, in order so that we can die before the world. What, different, what difference does it make? If I die now or I die in the end of the... What difference does it make? It doesn't. But this is what he told those people. Starve yourself to death. Don't eat any food. Don't drink any water. Nothing. And uh, you'll be glorified in heaven. God, God wants your skinny body. I, I just don't. I can't fathom that. What, what, what was behind it? What was behind it? But that's Babylon. That's another place where Babylon is. Despise the word of God. And, and I, I would almost guarantee you this 
taxi driver McKenzie was one that would be going, Oh, I'm getting a revelation from God. Oh, yes, God's, God's telling us how we can... How, how many of y'all would like to be in heaven before the week is out? Oh, amen. Well, God has shown me how. Starve to death. Don't drink any water for seven days. You'll be dead. You'll be good and dead. So, my dear brothers, don't fall for that. Nobody, especially those of you in Kenya, do not fall for that. Now, change subjects here to something uh, a little bit more weird. Um, Jeremy Corbell... Um, he started making documentaries several years ago, and the first one he made was called Patient 17. And he documented um, this, this uh, physician who um, was interested in finding out what these so-called alien implants were. In other words, he... Uh, he would meet people who would say, you know, I, I've got something in my leg here. It's, there's no scar around it or nothing. It just showed up there one day. I don't know how it got there. don't know what it is. And so this doctor would x-ray it and examine it and everything like that. And then he'd say, you want me to take it out? Well, yeah, let's take it out. So they would take it out and uh, send it off to have it analyzed. And it always... All, it always had peculiar properties. In other words, it always um, it it always had and and was made of uh, metals whose composition could not have come from this planet. There's no way that it could have. And they know this. What is the term I'm looking for? Um, you know, let's say that hydrogen, we know that it has one electron spinning around it, one neutron in the center, and one proton in the center. And um, these three are one. Hydrogen, I like this. Hydrogen is number one on the uh, table of elephant, uh, table of elephants, table of elements. <laughs> And uh, these three are one. However, you can have variations of the hydrogen atom by adding electrons to it. And I, that word is on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. So, isotopes. So you can you have these little things planted in people where nerves have connected themselves to it. And when they're taken out and examined, they, they find isotopes that they know could not have been created here on planet Earth. And um, so that was the first um, 
the first one that Jeremy Corbell did, first documentary. And he features a guy in there who has one of these taken out, and he's he's got a problem because he's he says, I am a Christian man. I attend church every Sunday. I believe in God and the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. Uh, I believe in salvation. I believe what the Bible says. And this poor guy's got, and I've prayed for this guy. This poor guy's got a quandary. He's being told on this side that uh, God is true. Christ is God's son. The Bible's real. Christ created everything that was. And uh, we are a unique creation of God. But then he's got an alien thing uh, in his leg and it's taken out and they find these isotopes on there and it, and all of a sudden now he's like, I don't, I don't know what to believe. And I'd love to get with this guy. So anyway, he made that. He made, uh, he's the one that, that brought Bob Lazar back out of hiding, I guess. Lazar was not talking to anybody, wasn't giving interviews. George Knapp is Bob Lazar's friend. George Knapp is the the, uh, the one who originally interviewed Bob Lazar about his uh, working out at S4 and working literally working on a spaceship, an unidentified flying object, trying to reverse engineer it to see how it was made, what it does, and so on. And... Uh, so Lazar got to be friends with Jeremy Corbell, and Corbell did a documentary on him. Uh, Corbell did a documentary on the Skinwalker Ranch, and so on. And then Corbell, uh, after, after the uh, Defense Department released the three videos with the New York Times story, the gimbal, the Tic Tac, and the GoFast UFO, all three of them verified, certified, 100% video coming from uh, the, some of the most advanced um, intelligence gathering machines in the world that are on our fighter jets. So they released these things of legitimate Unidentified flying objects. Nobody knows where they came from. Nobody knows who's behind them. They, they, they exhibit things and properties and defy physics like we've never seen before. Corbell is, uh, people are coming to Corbell now saying, I work with such and such up at such and such air base, or I work on this missile silo, or I do this, or I do that. And I was on the ship when all of a sudden we had uh, an incursion of a large amount of UFOs. And so Corbell released a video that was given to him uh, that had been classified. And it was of these triangle-shaped uh, ships that were swarming this naval ship out at sea. I think it was out in the Atlantic. And they're just, every night, they're just come out and just flying all around and Guys are getting video of it and so on. And uh, Corbell released that. So here lately, there's a new ship in town. And uh, this one is called the Jellyfish. Now, when I, 
I'm going to start the video, and I, I don't know. I haven't watched this particular video yet, so I don't know what all is involved. I got the sound turned off because I don't know what they're going to say. But this one's called the jellyfish. This is a, a there it is right there. Um, this one is, I think, um, I'm pretty sure this is a United States... Uh, Air Force or Army video or something. It belongs to the Defense Department. Somebody got a hold of it, and this was discovered in Iraq. Let me see here. Let me get to this here. There, you can see the reason why it was called the jellyfish. Let me see here. Uh, there we go. And nobody knows what it is. It's like nothing that's been seen before. There it is there. I know we got more video than this. There we go. It's not, it's not balloons. There's too many jagged edges for balloons. There it is there. A long range shot. I don't know what they're doing here other than maybe showing you that the wind's blowing or something. I don't know. I think they're trying to rule out that this is CGI. But, uh, and here you got two guys here. Apparently they don't see it. Um, it looks like, from the way the video is, that this is uh, infrared video taken at night. Um, anyway, that's all I'm going to show that. But you can find that on YouTube. There are several YouTube channels uh, that have it. It's called the Jellyfish UFO. You take a look at it. And uh, and see if um, see what you think. Now, um, I don't think I've ever done uh, this study before, uh, but I think it's worthy of our time and attention because of the nature of it um, and the subject that I'm going to be dealing with here is the god Baal. Now, Baal is mentioned all over uh, the Bible, uh, and especially the Old Testament. There are a couple of references in the New Testament. Let's see, there is, uh, well, just one. And here, it's, here we have the reference of what God told Elijah, when Elijah was saying to God, God isn't enough, uh, now please take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. In other words, God, I'm giving up the ministry. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it, but it's, it's just not enjoyable anymore because nobody's right with God. And I'm just, I'm done. I'm tired. I can't do it no more. And God said, 
you're not done. And trust me, I've not, I've not had you preaching and prophesying and fighting the fight in vain. There are 7,000 men. And he says it like this. There's, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Amen. So Paul goes on to say, even at so then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. I'll just ask you a question. In consideration of that cult, that starvation cult, was that pastor prophesying to them of grace or was he prophesying to them of works see how easy that is you have to say that that man was prophesying to them of works because he's telling them that they must do this and they must starve themselves and they cannot eat anything, take in any food or drink any water. Listen, if somebody who taught that was in Turkana, I almost guarantee you I would still be there doing everything I could to drive that rascal out of town. Because there are already people up there involuntarily starving to death, wishing that they had the food that these people near Mombasa, Kenya, were, were denying and throwing away. It just, it angers me, people. It angers me. So we have an election according to grace. And if it's by grace, and it's no more of works. And when you tell people they can't eat, and that's the only way they'll be accepted by God, then that's works. That is a work salvation. Anyway, back, back to Baal. God reserves 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of of Baal and um, praise the Lord for that numbers 22 first first time you find just the name Baal now you find Baal in there 63 times uh, however let's see here I think if you add something to Baal you get yeah exactly 130 times which is 13, remember Babylon, times 10. So when you add the asterisk to Baal, you get words like Baal Hanan here, uh, which was a, a, uh, a king, um, Baal Hanan, Baal Ziphon, Baal Peor, um, 
Bel Mion, Bel Zephon, there it is, Bel Peor again, Bel Gad, um, Beala. So you get all the variations of the name Baal and the influence that uh, Baal had. So now I'm just going to sweep away with the besom of destruction and type in Baal once again. And we'll go to this first occurrence. And it came to pass. This is the story of Balaam and Balak who are going to prophesy by Baal. And they're wanting the answer of whether or not God is going to bless the Israelites because, uh, let's see, who is it? Um, Balak. Um, yeah, Balaam was the prophet. Balak was the king. Uh, Balak wanted to know if the Israelites, when they come to town, were they going to be friendly or were they going to be uh, enemies? And were they going to want to have to go to war against them and so on? So in verse 36 in Numbers 22, when Balak... Now notice that we have Balak, Balaam, and Baal. And I believe, it's just my own personal opinion, could be wrong, that all three of these names, Balak and Balaam, are derivatives of the name Baal. Now, the name Baal, um, let's see here. I had a Wikipedia article pulled up on it. Let me do this here. Um, the name Baal, etymology, the term Baal derives from the Greek Baal, which appears in the New Testament in the Septuagint, and from its Latinized form Baal, which appears in the Vulgate. These forms in turn derive from the vowel-less Northwest Semitic form BL, uh, the word's biblical sense as a Phoenician deity and false gods generally were extended during the Protestant Reformation to denote any idols, icons of the saints, that means statues, uh, or the Catholic Church generally. In such contexts, it follows the anglicized pronunciation and usually omits any mark between its two... Um, as in close transliteration of the Semitic name, the Ayan is represented as Baal. And literally what it means is Lord or Master... Uh, in some cases, husband, and you can kind of see, you know, how that fits. But it generally means Lord. Now, think about this. You have the one true God, and his name uh, Yod Hey Va Hey, 
we know for a fact that the name yod heh translates to Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Now, you have um, scholars such as John MacArthur et al., uh, who have taken the wrong position that the King James Bible and other translations have um, excluded the real name of God from their translations, especially in the case of the King James, that um, MacArthur and his uh, his pet lackeys, his uh, translators, the, the people who say they are experts in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, and so on, they're telling MacArthur, MacArthur, you go get them, because that yod heh vah it means Yahweh, and, um, and it doesn't mean Lord. However, Every time, every time that the New Testament in Greek copies an Old Testament verse in Hebrew, where that Old Testament verse is um, uses the, the letters yod heh vah Every time when that's carried over to the Greek, the Greek puts in the word Kyrios, which means, guess what it means? Lord. That's one of the first things I learned in Greek class um, was that, and, and the only thing that made Greek class Exciting for me was, I've always liked to know where the, the root of our words come from. And I would see words in Greek like Cartier, and I'm going, oh, that means heart. So when someone has a cardiac arrest or something like that, it, it, the Cartier means heart. Um, Sophia, the Greek word Sophia uh, means uh, wisdom. And uh, someone who is a sophomore, sophos or sophe means wisdom, and moros means stupid, moron. So someone that is a sophomore is a wise moron. Hey, that's, I didn't make it up. I'm just telling you what it means. So that's what always kept me interested while I was taking Greek class was I was finding out all these words that were part of our language in different forms. And so here we have um, the word Lord in every place 
translating from the Old Testament, yod heh vah was always put in as Kyrios. Always. So when John MacArthur says that he's going to come up with a Bible now, he's already working on it, going to have this Bible that's going to, it's going to, uh, it's going to replace every place where the yod heh vah says Lord because we all know that that's a terrible translation. As we stroke our goatee beards and smoke our pipes and look intelligent. We all know that. That's a poor translation and should never have been there. And yet God is the one. God's the one that put it there. He did. God put the yod heh vah in Hebrew and intended for it in every single case to be translated as Lord. So, you have Baal, that means Lord, and you have the Lord. Now, one of these you're going to have to follow. The other one, you better not. Because one of these is going to lead you to right. Right understanding, a right acknowledgement, a right uh, confession or whatever. And the other one is going to lead you down the wrong path. And I'm not anybody's judge. Thank God for that. But uh, when the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, that self, the verse is self-defining. Who are we supposed to call on? The name of who? The Lord. Um, I had a, uh, a man that, uh, he and I were very adversarial to each other. He has died. He died of COVID. And um, and he and I had several arguments over this issue. And um, he had a website up and claimed on his website that the King James translators were doing nothing but leading people into Baal worship because Baal meant Lord and when we were reading the Bible and we saw the phrase the Lord and we would read that and so on um, that was contradictory to uh, what the Bible says and so people like us would be somewhat doomed because of that. But anyway, the bottom line is you have Baal, which means Lord, and you have God's name, which is the Lord. And so one of these, one of these is Lord and one of them isn't. Okay. It's pretty simple. Uh, so now, uh, and let me throw this in too. Um, uh, let's see here where it mentioned what he was. Um, one of these, 
one of these sections has Baal as being um, the the related to the sun god or a solar deity. Um, so anyway, you have you you have God. Christ, who is the son of righteousness, and remember, somebody's always going to try to take his place, well, then Baal uh, would sit on a throne and be the sun that lightened the world. And the myth was that as Lord Baal uh, conquered the sky, he gave light to the earth, but in the evening at sunset, he went down into the, literally into the earth and was hidden down there until morning and he would make his trip back up and around. That's what they would say, of course, uh, about Baal being a, a sun god and so on. Now, uh, let's go to this passage here, Numbers twenty-two forty-one, and it came to pass that uh, on the morrow, uh, let's see, where is this? Right here. Uh, that Balak took Balaam and brought him into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. So uh, Baal is associated with the high places. Now, um let me show you. Let's see. We'll do an image search of this. El Castillo. Chichen Chicken Itza. Here we go. There's one of them. This is a high place, I believe. They literally are all over the world. They are pyramids in Mexico, Central America, South America, in North America. However, I guess they just weren't as sophisticated. And um, they didn't build too many uh, pyramidal structures in North America. They, what they did was they built huge mounds. And there is one uh, that's not too far from here uh, over in Illinois. And um, it is a, a huge, huge mound of dirt. Dirt that just piled up. And great big thing where it must have took slaves, I, I don't know, years to bring together this much dirt, and they mounded the dirt over, and they placed steps on it and everything like that. And at the top, guess what they would do up there? They would sacrifice soldiers or the innocent, innocent women, especially virgins, um, in a most horrid fashion it was very bloody one of christopher columbus's men 
said that the um, the priests who uh, administered the sacrifices on these pyramids, their body would be so encrusted with human blood, their, their hair would be matted with it. And it was just, you know, you, you can imagine the flies. Well, guess what? The term Beelzebub, guess what it stands for? The Lord of the Flies. So anyway, these high places now, here's, here's what I think. And especially with, with this one. The El Castillo Chichen Itza Pyramid. You see steps here. There are steps here. There's steps on the other side. Steps on the back side. All of these steps together add up to 364 steps. The top pedestal would be 365. And literally, this particular high place was... Um, a high place that marked the summer solstice and the winter solstice. And you had a, a dragon or a serpent that made its way down and this, the sun would light uh, on the steps in such a way as it looked like a serpent coming down from heaven. And on the bottom you could see its head. Uh, or if it was later on and the... Um, the winter time was coming around, then the um, the dragon made its way back up the staircase there, um, and so basically it was a calendar, and it was a way for them to keep track of when these sacrifices were to be done. But they sacrificed uh, people there to their gods. I'm sure they sacrificed a bull or two and so on they would take captured prisoners sacrifice them in some cases they would take uh, young ladies that were virgins and they would sacrifice them there blood everywhere um, it, 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 it was just a, a gory horrible place but I think it represented Satan's false rapture. Look at what happens. The servant goes up the steps. And it takes him a while. There's a lot of steps. And he gets to the top. And on the top, he 
is part of a ritual. Maybe he's got to drink some blood or maybe he's got to take some ayahuasca or whatever it is. But he's transformed now that he's up there. So when he presents himself back out of the door, he's different. And people can see a difference, maybe a, a, a glow about this man. So he very slowly and carefully comes back down the steps, having been changed, having been altered. Uh, what did Paul say about the rapture? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the dead in Christ shall rise first. Uh, then we which are alive shall be caught up together with them. And so the person comes back, sets his feet on the bottom steps there. Now he has been transformed. And that's what I believe the high places, um, what they represented. Very interesting. Now, um, but we know definitely for sure that Baal was always associated with uh, the high places of, uh, of the various people that worshipped him. In Judges chapter 2, here's where I think it gets interesting. Um, let me go to Google image search again and I'll type in, uh, let's see here. Where am I typing in? Uh, Isis and horror and Osiris and Horus. There is a, a, a carving right here. You have Isis. She is the fertility goddess, and um, she is more of a human than anything else. Here you have Osiris, and Osiris, of course, is the sun god. He appears during the day, disappears at night, appears once again at the daytime. They both... Together, they have a son by the name of Horus. And they want Horus now. They want him to be worshipped. They want him to be adored. They want him to be worshipped by everybody. And um, so they, they are going to want him um, to be a god, literally, to the people in Egypt. So... In this case here, this is uh, Judges chapter 2. And it says in verse 11, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baalim. Now, anytime you add an I am onto that, let me, let me do that search here. Baalim, see how many times? 18 times, 6 plus 6 plus 6. Very interesting. But anytime you add uh, the letters I am, 
Uh, let's see, where did we find it? Hmm. Anyway, they forsook the Lord and they served Baal and Ashtaroth. So they're serving two gods, a god and a goddess at the same time. And what you have with Baal and Ashtaroth, Ashtaroth, I believe, gets her name from uh, Ashtar, Asherah, Ishtar, Isis. The... Um, in, in Genesis 2, or uh, when, when God is uh, saying this is woman, for she was taken from a man, the word for man there is ish, and the word for woman there is isha. So think, think in etymology how... Egypt could have borrowed this word uh, Ishtar or Asherah and made a goddess by the name of Isha or Isis. I think they're etymolo etymologically related. That's just a theory of mine. That and a cup of coffee will get you a cup of coffee. But anyway, when you have Baal and Ashtaroth together, this is where you are really going to trip God's trigger. Because let's say that Ashtaroth really is just a human woman. She has no... Special powers, she can't heal the sick, she can't do this, she can't do that. Other than what maybe some devils, some power that devils give her. But people are worshiping her. And then uh, you, have, you have Baal coming along. And yes, Baal, I believe, is a real entity. 100% genuine God, and uh, he's going to be the Lord of, of all of, you know, all of the people that worship him. He's going to be their Lord. He's going to be their God. They're going to sacrifice to him. They're going to give homage to him. They're going to pray to him and so on. So, and I want you to think of Baal now is like a replacement for Jesus Christ. And think of it like in the Catholic Church. Baal has always been a replacement for God, for Jesus, we can say. Now, Jesus wasn't known by name in the Old Testament, but we know he was always there 
in every place and in every story. So you have Baal, who is a type of Christ, a, a replacement of Christ. You have Ashtaroth, who is his fertility goddess consort, which means that he, uh, Baal, joins himself with Ashtaroth. And the word there is called Hyros Gamos. It's referred to sacred marriage or a sacred union. It's what uh, Catholics believe in. It's what Mormons believe in. Mormons especially. But they, they believe in this sacred union. In the case of Mormons, Mormons believe that their marriages are forever. That um, once they get into the celestial kingdom... And maybe they're ready to become God over their own planet. That God's going to keep those two together. And they say this doesn't go on, but it's, it still does. Multiple marriages. And um, so that's the idea. That they're going to have this sacred, uh, everlasting marriage union ceremony where he's wearing um, the, uh, the, the compass on his underwear. She's wearing the square on her underwear. And the square and the compass join together. And in that union, they have these spirit children who are the angels. And um, so once they have these spirit children... That's who they're going to populate their, their new world or their new home with it. That's what they're going to do. Uh, in the Catholic Church, they have this, what they call the sacrament of marriage. To them, it's such a sacred and a holy thing. It's almost like part of your salvation. My question to all you priests out there is if uh, the union of marriage uh, is such an important deal, then why doesn't the uh, Santa Papa um, release you guys from the bondage of celibacy and allow you to have marriages and allow you to serve God faithfully. Because it's clearly not working, this issue of celibacy. It's not working. It hasn't worked for 2,000 years. I dare say that you could probably count on one hand the number of Catholic priests that have been completely and 100% faithful to the oath that they made. 
almost guarantee you. But anyway, back to uh, Baal and Ashtaroth. So you have Baal and Ashtaroth. Baal uh, represents God. Ashtaroth represents a human woman. And uh, they are joined together by this uh, union. And they are going to produce in this world a line of kings or a line of priests uh, or whatever, whatever comes from them, that's, that's what they're going to do. And this is going to be part of the religion of the Israelites. They're going to learn to depend on um, these, these children that come from Baal and Ashtaroth these are going to be the God kings over all of Mesopotamia, which would include the land where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are eventually going to settle. And so you have now the joining together of Baal and Ashtaroth, which basically is what you see in Genesis chapter 6, where the sons of God came into the daughters of men, um, you also, uh, let's see here, where else? Daniel chapter two, when the fourth kingdom, uh, mingles itself with the seed of men and, um, God, or the, uh, they, they just, they try to join together, but it doesn't work because iron and clay don't mix together. But they're going to try it nonetheless to join themselves with the seed of men. And I absolutely and honestly believe that that is the plan of all plans. I have a note here from uh, David Jacobs. Who, um, let's see, a jellyfish UFO. Oh, check this out. I found that. Uh, I don't know where I found it. Uh, Pops Concert Venue and 105.7 The Point presents Road to Point Fest 2024. So you have all these weird rock groups. But notice what you have. You have a UFO zapping down energy and, of course, mushrooms, psychosyllabic, syllabin, whatever, mushrooms that give you visions and weird stuff. But the idea is that I believe that stuff like this is getting a generation of people ready for this exact event. Talk about false rapture. Buddy, that's it. Um, eh, let's see how. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Um, no, that's not it. No, 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 no. Yeah, David Jacobs. Here we go. 
This was posted on Instagram, and I took a screen capture of it. And uh, this is, uh, I, I cropped this part off. This is was where the McMinnville, Oregon UFO photograph was taken. Very famous UFO in history. And uh, they've never, ever, ever been able to prove or even come close to saying that it's a hoax or it's a fake. There really is a flying uh, saucer-shaped object up there in the sky flying around. The, the people who took the picture said made no noise whatsoever. But anyway, here's what David Jacobs said. David Jacobs has written several books on the UFO issue. And here's what he said recently. It appears that the UFOs themselves and everything in them are made for abducting and processing humans. Read that again. The UFOs themselves and everything in them are made for abducting and processing humans, hybridization, and teaching and training abductees. The UFOs were manufactured exclusively for the program. David Jacobs wrote that in Walking Among Us, the, the alien plan to control humanity. Now, out of all the things that I have shared um, about UFOs and um, what the Bible says they are and what the Bible says the agenda is, um, I think this guy, I think he's right. I do. I think he's dead on. And um, it, if you can, if you can prove to me otherwise, I would love to see your proof. I really would. Uh, I don't want to be wrong. I really don't. And I can get fooled just like the next guy can. So, um, but he has come, he has come to this conclusion um, based upon all of the research that he's done. I came to that conclusion based upon what the Bible says is going to happen. And I think let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. All right. Do your study of Baal. Get to know him. Maybe we'll look at him further next week. I want you all to pray for me. Um, I've just been swamped since coming back from Kenya. I've got notes ready for a couple of brand new Watchmen broadcasts. I have not had time to record nor edit them. So pray that I can uh, 
uh, get some time to get those things together. Um, and so just just pray for me that God will give me the grace and God will give me uh, the time. And uh, it's sometimes it's tough to balance uh, the church responsibilities with my responsibilities at home. And, um, you know, I, I got a wife to take care of and I love her. I love doing things for her and uh, and my family and things around the house and so on. So I could use your prayers. I really could. And I appreciate those of you who pray for us daily. I really do. And uh, you are, uh, you are the reason why we do what we do. I promise you that. I love you. We will see you on Sunday. We get to have church again. Amen.